Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, April 24th, and today we are reading in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are page 54, the third paragraph, which is the last paragraph down at the bottom of the page, going to the next paragraph, reading two paragraphs. Today's readers are Marcella M., Craig F., Martha Z. The reference for yesterday's big book meeting, 7 a.m., is 11,329. For 10 a.m. is 11,330. So that's 11329 for the 7 a.m. meeting and 11330 for the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through the abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Tenzin. Good morning, everyone. Um, Tenzin P. checking in. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, talk through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tenzin P. I will now ask for Eve K. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Eve. Hi, good morning. My name is Eve K., compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Sixth, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you, Eve. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speaker, should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous on the bottom of page 54. 
And I am going to ask Marcella to go ahead and get us started to read those two paragraphs. Go ahead, Marcella. Good morning. Thank you, Amy. Uh, Marcella, recovered composite over here. Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything. Neither is reason, as most of us use it, entirely dependable, though it emanates from our best minds. What about people who prove that man could never fly? Yet we had been seen, seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose above their problems. They say God made these things possible, and we only smiled. We had seen spiritual release, but like to, but like to tell ourselves it wasn't true. Uh, my name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, I love these two paragraphs, the way that I'm reading them today, this morning. Um, so my best, re my best mind and my ability to reason led me to believe that if I did my math correctly, and I counted calories, grams of fat, grams of carbs, and, 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 and the amount of calories that I was burning at the gym, I would be skinny. And if I was skinny, everything was going to be fine. All the domains of my life were going to be affected in a positive way, and I was going to be happy and satisfied. That's what my best reasoning took me. And, I mean, that's, what, that's the limitation of my intelligence. I started, I joined a vision for you like a bunch of years ago. At the very beginning, it was like the first year of a vision for you. And um, and I heard these voices, and frankly, I was intimidated. Like, where do these women get this, like, uh, like assurance, like certainty? And, and, and I smiled. I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I smiled. I would say, I was, I, t I told to myself, because I'm smart, you know, I would say, I wonder if these women are just talking and they're still living in fat, obese bodies. And then the day came in which many of them were coming to Framingham, and, and there was like a, a retreat. It was a, an event for a weekend. And I went there, and I was shaking. I was so scared because I thought that I was going to see big, fat bodies in, in, in arrogant voices. And I was scared because that's where my mind takes me. I'm suspicious. I don't have trust. My faith is very limited and imperfect. Anyway, so I get there, and I see this group, these joyous crowds, all of them happy and, like, glowing. And, and then I went from table to table recognizing the voices, and, oh, the voices match the body. The body made perfect sense with the voice for that belonged to people. I will never forget the, the, the moment that I saw my, that I recognized the voice of my sponsor. <laughs> I saw her I can't believe, I mean, I, I always thought of her as a brunette, and she's blonde with blue eyes. And, and, I, I, and I believe, I believe in the spiritual flight. I'm leaving the same thing now in Spanish, because I, I, I have the privilege and the blessing and the incredible good luck of traveling to Spanish-speaking countries. We have a vision for you in Spanish in the chat. And right now I'm traveling to Mexico City in June. And I can't wait to meet and hug these voices that I'm familiar with, people who have recovered through our, our study of the big book in Spanish. And then I go, they show me their picture, and I see them, and, and, and it's alive. And I know as a fact that it's not me. It's the message of the big book. I have seen that in Santo Domingo, in, in La República Dominicana, I've seen it in Costa Rica, I've seen Spain, 
So it's a, it's an incredible phenomenon of faith put to action, and um, it's not it's not an underestimation that we are alive in an age of miracles through the big book. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella. So just a reminder, we are on page 54, last paragraph, reading two paragraphs. Who would like to share on what was read? This is Larry. Larry Kay. Gotcha. Oh, my. Do we have a shy group today? Anyone else like to share on what was read? I'm sorry, did you say page 52? Page 54, last paragraph. Thank you. Um, page 55, those two paragraphs. Nessa R. Nessa. Okay. Anybody else? Deb W. Deb W. Jen A. Jan A. Anybody else? Okay. Well, we have a good group. Larry K, Nessa R, Deb W, Jan A. Go ahead, Larry. You're up. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Larry K, Recovered Compulsive Reader. You know, um, again, I, I, I love reading about the reason because, you know, my best reasoning, you know, got me to the rooms of, of Overeaters Anonymous. And, and, you know, when I think about it, where my reasoning was, Marcella did a great job of laying that out for us. You know, I thought if your parents were divorced, you know, you'd be a compulsive eater as well. You know, if you were raised in a family where food was love, you'd be a compulsive reader too. If your mother moved you, you and your siblings across uh, the country away from your father when you were eight, well, well, certainly you'd be a compulsive reader. If you had a stepfather, she remarried. If you had a stepfather that, that was abusive physically and, and emotionally um, towards you, you, you would be a compulsive reader and on and on and see the truth is what this program has taught me with regard to my reasoning is that none of those things are true none of those things are the reason i'm a compulsive eater today um you know i'm a compulsive overeater because i have the two the twofold nature of this disease for for some reason i was born with the allergy of the body that when i take in my bin substances my desire for more is intensified, and then I have the, the mental twist, the obsession that drives me back, even if the food's not in my system. You know, so, so to me, my reasoning, you know, if, if God could somehow, you know, eliminate all the ills of the world, you know, the mental illness and <clears throat> ignorance and prejudice and poverty and loneliness and all those things, you know, maybe, maybe my life would be different. But the, but the absence of ill-being does not equal the presence of well-being. See, this God thing could in fact be about the presence of happiness, not merely the absence of unhappiness. 
And no matter how negatively skewed my, my early life experiences were, maybe yours were as well, what I continue to learn from this God-centered program of action is through the steps, we're drawn into the future rather than driven by the past. You know, we're drawn into the future. That's where the hope lies, being pulled, for me, often kicking and screaming into a future of transformation and hope. And, and maybe because scarring events cast me out of my notion of, of paradise, but the reliance on God informs me that my past does not equal my future. That's what these actions have taught me over time, although I didn't know that that was going to happen. My past doesn't equal my future, and thank God for that. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Nessa R., you're up, followed by Deb W. Go ahead, Nessa. Hi, good morning. Vision for you. My name is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. You know, the uh, phrase that always catches me when I read this part of the big book is people who rose above their problems. Um, because I, probably like many others on the line, thought that my misery was caused by my problems. You know, chief among them was the fact that I was fat. Um, but there were others, you know, like the usual suspects, right? Like no money, small house, mean boss, misbehaving kids, uncooperative husband, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. But this tells me that this is not so. And in fact, this is actually what attracted me to my sponsor, you know, because um, she is a woman who has challenges like all of us. And yet, when I met her, she was happy, joyous, and free. And she still is happy, joyous, and free. And I thought, like, how could that be possible? How can somebody be, um, be happy when they have challenges? Because I thought you have to be challenge-free in order to be happy. And, um, and so I started working with her and, um, after I became entirely abstinent and it stayed entirely abstinent and she took me through the steps that's outlined in the big book and I came out the other side, I realized, Hey, I still have the same challenges. I still have a small house, you know, I still, uh, lack money. I mean, I don't have a mean boss anymore because I, I work for myself, but, um, you know, like things really didn't change in terms of my circumstances and my surroundings, but I was happy, you know, and the answer there is that, you know, the working of the steps and entire abstinence opened me up to a much better way of dealing with life that brought um, God into my life, you know, and once I align myself with God's will, most of the time, I don't do it perfectly and I don't do it every day either, but most of the time, you know, um, I too was able to rise above my problems. You know, I started to focus not on what I want and what I need, but what is needed of me. I'm truly, truly being of service to others, not because I'm going to get something out of it, but because that is the right thing to do, because that is what God wants me to do. You know, like this, this uh, kind of uh, giving that demands nothing in return was so novel to me because I, was, I always had ulterior motives, even when I did good things. And, you know, it's, uh, I guess, uh, we need to manage expectations to people coming into the, the rooms, people who have been in the rooms for a long time, that, you know, program is not a happy pill. It's not going to take away the, 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 the challenges. It's just going to give us a better way of dealing with it than having to compulsively overeat, to overeat um, as a result. You know, I, I don't compulsively overeat anymore to get... Um, 
um, you know, to deal with my life. I rise above my problems and, and, and I'm happy. And I'm really, truly happy for the first time um, ever and I pass. Thank you, Nessa R., Deb W., followed by Jan A. Go ahead, Deb. Good morning. <clears throat> this is Deb W. Um, this is one of my favorite uh, paragraphs that um, another kind of flight of spiritual liberation from this world. Um, the God that, you know, we talk about made these things possible. And as we look at, the, you know, many of our loved ones kind of have a blank look after I said that because, you know, the the bottom line, when it comes down to the bottom line, that is the only way that I have survived these years. You know, I can say this thing happened or I was able to do this or that or, you know, I was able to attain this or that, but you know, during the dark times, during the real struggles, I am humbled, you know. I was just scribbling. If I knew there was more to pull from than my reason or others' reasons, I would have hope. By the time I get too um, certain, um, to a certain age, I feel like my resources for the things that are causing me to feel lost um, to answer the problems of my life, I've searched religion, searched self-help, searched money, searched things for things, and I'm still discontent. I was still discontent, and I realized that I have limitations that I can't uh, seem to break through. My power is no longer as powerful as needed for the problems that I have, for the you know, the emotional state I'm in. And simple teachings from childhood start to surface, the ABCs of life. You know, I, I start hearing these things like Bill W. did come back to me. And, of course, for a long time I said, oh, surely not, you know. There's got to be more to this. There's got to be more to this. Um, but I discounted the goals, um, you know, for education, um, the, the job that would make me a better citizen, things men that, you know, the men that I looked for that failed me or I failed them. And and then the addiction that is the, the final break for me is the food addiction that I just can't seem to hurdle over. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm restless, irritable, discontent. And, um, you know, then I consider you know, these voices in the depths, in my depths, I consider the reminders of there is more to this life than what I see. There is more than this life that, you know, I'm looking at every day. And I can, what does it say here? I can be liberated, another kind of flight, you know, by the time I get to the ninth step, you know, and do the 10, 11, and 12, I am in a different mindset, and right. thank you, God. You're welcome. I mean, not you're welcome, but okay. Uh, but thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, because there is a solution to this eating and everything else that goes behind the eating uh, problem in these steps. And with that, I've had. Thank you, Deb W. Jan A., your turn. This is Jen A., compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic, recovered today, thank you God, in Colorado. 
Um, <laughs> it's great. Uh, people rise above their problems in this program. Um, you see, when I first came in, um, I was a trash can compulsive overeater. And I, I don't joke about that. And I get on the line and share this morning because I was at work filling up my water bottle yesterday. And um, uh, I looked in the trash can right below. And there were these pancakes that somebody had thrown out and this sausage patty and all this beautiful food. And I could even still smell the maple syrup. And I remember being in that trash can, eating out of that trash can at work, and that was just two years ago. Um, but today, because I have gotten on these lines and listened um, to the stories unfold and read about it in the big book and learned with all of you that this I don't have to be a hopeless trash can compulsive overeater anymore, that there is a solution, right, and that people rise up from their problems. And how do they do this? They're liberated. They're liberated by God, by the spiritual solution, a practical program of action. And um, what was it for me? Um, it was learning, listening, applying, um, you know, doing these things. And I'll never forget the first time I heard in Colorado, they were like, do it like your hair's on fire. It, it, it was literally at a big book retreat um, from a vision from a visionary, and I was like, do it like my hair's on fire. Oh, my God, who are these people? But the truth is that it works, and it really works if you work it, but you have to do the work. And, uh, and the biggest thing is for me was letting God in, um, letting God in to do that work and to be transformed how? Inside, an inside transformation by a higher power as a result of working these steps he has shown me miraculous things in my life. And, um, you know, I'm just so excited. You know what? All my problems are not solved today. Um, but I will tell you, when I go out and I am of service to God and God's kids, he does amazing things. And, um, you know, just yesterday at work, again, he showed me um, I can do amazing things through you, for you, with you. Um, so I'm just going to keep trudging this road of happy destiny and thank God I am no longer a trash can compulsive overeater. I have this practical program of action and a higher power that loves me. Thanks, and I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Okay, we're going to take some more shares. We are, friendly reminder, down at the bottom of page 54. Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything with two paragraphs. Who would like to share? Lisa B. Janice P. And Janice PM. Tens and P. Janice PM. Tens Okay. Anybody else? Craig F. Craig F. F. Melanie C. Melanie C. Okay, sounds good. We got a good group here. Lisa B, Janice PM, Tenzin P, Craig F, Melanie C. Lisa B, you are up. Please go ahead. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, Amy, for your service. I wanted to address the line spiritual liberation as a person that's recovered today. I have to seek that every day. Every day I have to seek that. Um, it's a relationship that I continue to develop with my higher power, and it takes time and commitment. Um, 
it gives me directions in, in our big book, in my manual of what I need to do, and it includes prayer and meditation. And for a long time, prayer was okay for me, you know, giving the, the list of what I want and what I need. Uh, but one day I was in a lot of physical pain and a lot of emotional pain. And I called my sponsor, and she said to me, have you tried not telling God what you want? and just listening. And that just started a whole journey for me of setting a timer on my phone and sitting quietly in meditation for 10 minutes and slowly increasing it over time. I found getting up the same time every morning really helpful, uh, just that pattern of habit, even, even on the weekend, seven days a week. And it's become the most vital, vital relationship for me, sitting in that quiet and experiencing that liberation that's inside of me that for so long I have tried to find outside of me. I found that my higher power speaks to me in the silence. And my higher power really does give me directions. And I also feel led to share this, and I don't know why, but when I was on step six and seven with my sponsor, and we quickly glazed over in reading it in the big book and went right into step eight, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How will step six and seven get addressed? And I just feel led to share that it's through living in step 10, 11, and 12 that step six and seven really gets addressed. My character defects get removed by living in step 10. And it's all connected to the spiritual liberation. It's all connected to having my feet in new soil. It's inside of me and it takes time and dedication and commitment. It's not just given to me. It's through the actions, 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 going through the steps in order. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Janice TM, you're up. Did you call me, Amy? I did. I'm muting. Okay, thank you, thank you. And good morning to you and everyone. My name is Janice PM and I'm powerless. Yeah, hence we saw that reason isn't everything. Well, how did I see that? How did I I went, wow, my reasoning, my intellect doesn't work? Wow. I thought that that was everything, but gave the examples prior that it wasn't everything, that my best mind, my intellect, all the research that I did, it didn't work. You know, it, uh, I thought that these, my reasoning, which originated from the best mind that I could have, did not work. But, you know, what about these people that, like when I came into program many years, I saw, I saw I still see them. I still hear them. You know, that's proof alone. That's proof alone um, that, you know, this works. But what was my real problem? I didn't put my, my timer on, Amy. If you could please time me. Um, yeah, I have a physical problem. Yeah, and I'll always have the physical problem. But I'll always have a spiritual problem, too. And that's my real problem <laughs> is this, my spirituality, how I'm thinking. How, you know, how I think that I could do everything, my grandiosity, um, my, you know. But it says here twice, spiritual liberation, spiritual release. You know, when I was young, I had faith. You know, I had faith, but I still did my own thing. I had a God in my life, but, you know, he was like on the back burner. So how could he release me from this bondage of myself? my self-sufficiency if I was still doing it my way. I couldn't be free. I was still having a bondage to my thinking 
into my actions. You know, I didn't want to believe, but it said here, they said, they said, you know, the people that came before them that were recovered, that God made these things possible. You know, when I grew up, I didn't grow up spiritual, you know, and I only smiled. Oh, they're spiritual. What does that mean? Uh, until I got to know that, that I saw, I saw, I experienced the spiritual release, release from them. But I like to tell myself, oh, no, that's not true, that I was so much in denial. And I love page 51 where it says, they show, that means recovered people show, how the change came over them when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives. They present a powerful reason why one should start to have faith. And I mean, that's, that's what it is. And that's the proof. And I, I did not grow spiritually. How could I grow spiritually when I was so blocked? That's, that's the part, you know. So today I'm going to open, you know, today if we open up our minds and we lay, lay back those prejudices, we can start to become willing to believe and then that will grow into a faith. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Tenzin P, you're up, followed by Craig S. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P calling in from um, near New York City. We saw, I, I love this whole chapter, and um, I'm so grateful to be considering the second step in all the ways that it's been considered in, the, in this couple of paragraphs. So we saw that reason isn't everything. So that's what we've been reading about in the past few days, all, all kinds of examples to um, help us to see that. And thank you, God, that I can see that reason isn't everything. Just thank you, God. And reason not is not entirely dependable. What about people who proved we could never fly? Well, um, yeah, the people who quote-unquote proved we could never fly were using reason. But what, what I was thinking about that's really not dependable is my, my our sometimes underlying motives and um, and that's why people were even led to want to prove that we could never fly, um, is my interpretation. So that's the part that I will spend the rest of my life working on with this program and with these steps, is my underlying motivation. And um, again, thank you, God, for that. Um, and then spiritual liberation, people who rose above their problems, they said God made these things possible. I'm very grateful for all those on this line and that I meet that can bear witness in this way, um, all, all those that become lanterns for me and for all of us. And lastly, um, we, had, we had seen spiritual release but liked to tell ourselves it wasn't true. Well, I'm not telling myself that it isn't true. I have seen it in others and I may, I think, be experiencing it in small ways as I grow in this program. I don't say that I understand, but I accept and and I really pay attention to the small ways that I am making spiritual progress and I rejoice. And that's all I have. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tenzin. Craig F. 
Your turn, followed by Mel C. This is Craig S. Did you call me? I was unmuting. I did. Go ahead. Okay. Great. Hi, this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I, this uh, uh, paragraph about um, our reason being uh, not sufficient and being flawed uh, is it makes me smile when I think about it. Uh, of course, like uh, a lot of people, I had to take some formal logic training. Uh, math is formal logic training in, in a sense. And I remember a professor putting on the board uh, the the uh, proof that uh, God is love, love is blind, Ray Charles is blind, therefore Ray Charles is God. And um, it it was, um, you know, a, an example of how uh, flawed our reasoning can be, you know, if we don't follow, even if, but even if we follow strict the strict rules of of logic are we can it can be flawed and that that we have to of course that little uh, thing doesn't follow the strict rules of logic but um we uh we find that um that we have to test our logic through experience that uh, even when we figure something out uh we have to look and see if that if that makes sense, and uh, you know, so often, what makes sense to us um, is simply uh, based in a lack of knowledge. It's based in a in a lack of of, uh, of research and thought. You know, for uh, for centuries, man assumed that if you dropped uh, a ten pound weight and a one pound weight from a high distance. That the ten pound weight <clears throat> would get to the ground first, and and uh, you know one of the great advances in 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 science was when somebody figured out that uh, it doesn't matter how much the object weighed, that the acceleration of gravity was the same for for uh, both weights, and uh, you know uh, that is counterintuitive to us. Uh, uh, to, and so so much of so much of the physical world uh is counterintuitive um and it is the guy the genius the the newtons and the galileos and the and the einsteins that uh, that can prove that find a proof beyond the the uh normal intuition that that have changed that that world have made us have brought us great progress and it's the same i think with spiritual ideals uh, ideas we so much of what is what is a uh, um you know so many people have thought have oh excuse me um i've rambled the that the uh that they've based their spiritual thinking in in things that aren't true because they haven't tested the counterintuity. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Melanie C., go ahead, please. Hey, good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon here. I enjoyed the last share um, because I didn't challenge um, anything except for what you were having to say in terms of my own self. It reminds me of the... um, 
the mom, you know, sitting in the stadium of and watching a 500-piece marching band exclaiming with pride, you know, look at my Johnny, he's the only one in step. And that's exactly the way I use my reasoning, <laughs> my reasoning. And I couldn't see the other 499 other people. And so I just thought maybe I'd chime in this morning to see if that number might help anybody else in here. The reasoning here is that um, I formed all kinds of conclusions about my life and I formed all kinds of conclusions about the people that I interacted with. And it was always in favor of myself as um, being the person that was right with what I thought was good sound evidence to per to support that. Didn't after all that licorice and yogurt diet work for me? I lost weight on it. And it was the best thing ever I'd concluded. And so I thought it became dependable. And I went to it many, 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 many times. And that was my best reasoning in all this kind of thing. And I liked the thought that, you know, I mean, okay, so then I was able to put it up against stories like even even people with technology and energy and intelligence far beyond mind it determined with facts to back it that man would never fly. And then I had determined I can't ever change. I can't ever change. If you don't like me the way I am, then, you know, maybe you'll have to find somebody else to hang around or whatever, because this is who I am. And I remember saying that to people over and over again, especially those around me. Oh, my gosh, my husband don't like me. You know, well, sorry, this is how I am. I'm going to be this raging maniac. And this is the way we'll live. He's going to live with me because I can't change. And then, and then life got so miserable that something had to give. I drove this deal into the ground for 50 years saying that my way was right. I had the best reasoning. This is what's going to be. And the steps, thank God, after entire absence was established, had access to this brain to start peeling back the curtain. But a different way of thinking and being started taking over my life. And then I would wake up one day and I would find myself saying, I didn't act the way I would normally have acted in such a horrendous way yesterday. And I am shocked to wake up this morning and realize that I hadn't. And then I knew that there was a power greater than me transforming this life. You know, you cannot take a life and drive it into the ground like I did for 50 years on the bad side of the tracks like I did and be able to face that kind of change at 50-some years old. And that continues to happen for me over and over and over again. Thanks so much. I'll stop there. Thank you, Melanie. Okay, so we are at the bottom of page 54, reading two paragraphs. Who would like to share on what was read? Got a few more minutes. Nancy P. from Boston. Carolyn S.H. Carolyn, I think, let's see, what have we got here? We've got Katie G, Harlan, I heard Leah, I think. There was a Leah. Yeah, Leah D, yes. Leah D, and then there was one other person after that. Carolyn? I thought I heard a Carolyn, okay. Julie, yeah. Oh, so it was was a Carolyn SH, but I can can pass. All right, you sure, Carolyn? I did hear you. Yep. All right. What so, uh, okay, so, Carolyn, do you want to go or not? Yay or nay? <laughs> sure, sure. I'll, I'll stay in the queue. Thanks. All right, Carolyn D. And then Julie S., right? I thought Julie I heard Julie. Julie B. 
Julie Easy. Okay, good. We're going to go with that. See if we can. Uh, we might run out of time for you guys. We'll see for our last share, but we'll, we'll do the best we can. Katie G, your turn, followed by Harlan G. Hi, Amy. Good morning. My fellow is Katie G, recovered in Boston. And um, I just really wanted to share and was sitting here in amazement about people rising above their problems because I grew up just believing this fundamental lie that if my if God loved me, my parents wouldn't be my parents. If God loved me, I would have everything my heart desires. God would God God was this Mary Poppins, right? And um and even in program, like in program, as a recovered woman, when things would happen and like I would I, I just couldn't understand why God would let pain happen to me. And um you know, I we all have faced profound pain. And I remember, you know, a couple years ago, a sponsor saying to me, like, Katie, your understanding of God has got to change, right? Like, God is not here doling out, you know, goodness because you're good or badness because you're bad. Like, and I, and, and it was just a shift for me. It was like, oh my gosh, like, uh, God's going to be with me holding my hand no matter what happened. And I, I don't need to clear away the wreckage of the future, worrying about what's going to happen. But when life happens, because it's going to happen, I have a power. I have access because of the steps. <clears throat> and I am in awe this morning about the way God works because every challenge that comes into my life, God uses you guys. I call and somebody says, oh, well, I have this going on and you know, this is what I did and I used the steps. And I can't imagine the profound pain that they faced when this was going on, and yet they didn't eat, they did the steps, and they got through their day. And yeah, maybe they didn't have happiness, right? Because I think in my old thinking, happiness is like a carousel. It's like cotton candy, pump, um, you know, ponies, like just this magic stuff. But we're going to know a new freedom, which means today, like I sit here, and yeah, life is, life is beautiful, and life is ugly, and yet I'm not eating and I'm and I'm okay. Like life is good. And you know, the most amazing thing that amazes me every day is we always get another chance. When you're abstinent and recovered, you always get another day. Like, you know, I put my head on the pillow some nights and my eleventh step is fiery, fiery with ways that I fell short. And yet I wake up in the morning. And I have a new day ahead of me to start again, to, to make amends, to ask God for direction. So if you're thinking that you're doing these behaviors because of life, start talking to people. Life does not force the food into your mouth. We do. We have this illness, and we have to bear, practice the willingness to bear discomfort, to grow up and do the opposite. And it is a privilege each and every day. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, KG. Harlan G, you're up, followed by Leah D. Thank you, Amy, and thank you to Team Tuesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. And when I was a young man, I looked around the world and I got very, very jealous of people who seemingly had no difficulties whatsoever. They came from wealthier families than I. Their parents were young and American and wealthy and hip and slick and cool, and I, had, I didn't have that. And it 
occurred to me that God had screwed me over big time. And then I came into this program, and it seemed to me that there were people who didn't have anywhere near as much weight as I was carrying. And if I had just 20, 30, 50, 75 pounds to lose, I wouldn't be complaining. And then something happened that wasn't, that wasn't the first time it was going to happen, but God brought people into my life that I didn't even deserve. And they came into my life and they taught me things I didn't even want to know. What they taught me was, is on page 16, faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. And they taught me that faith without works is dead. And when we look at these paragraphs, what I'm reminded of is that faith is great, but action is greater. Faith is great, but working the steps like my hair is on fire will make it so that my life will improve because without compulsively overeating, without living in the filth of the disease, everything in my life gets brighter, better, and more successful. Even in times when my business isn't where I want it to be, even because no matter how evolved my recovery gets, I will never rise above the level of a human being, even through divorce, even through getting dumped by women, even through the ups and downs of everyday life. If I work these steps, I do not have to eat compulsively. And when I don't eat compulsively, and I help other human beings not to eat compulsively to the best of my ability, there is something about my life that carries me beyond my defects, beyond the ups and downs of life. And they carry me to a place that I could never have gotten to on my own. Don't believe it? Test God. Try it. Do the work. See if you can find God lacking. I'm betting that you can't. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Leah D., you're up, followed by Carolyn D. Hi, good morning. My name is Leah D. I'm recovered in Brooklyn, and I'm a recovered frunk. F-R-U-N-K, the definition is available. I made it up. I needed to share this morning because I hear the joy and the the spirituality of the brothers and sisters who shared before me. And God is doing for me what I could not do for myself. I didn't grow up with faith or God. I grew up in confusion and pain. And today I understand what miracles are. I just need to share that I'm sitting on the couch with my new 11-week puppy next to me fast asleep and the tears are running down my eyes because I understand what love is. I would eat over every emotion in the world. I was never allowed to just sit and feel. Feeling was pain. I was different than every other kid on the block. I don't want to be different today. I want to be part of a group. And for the first time in my life, I am part of a group. You are my group. God has given me the ability to be part of something good and whole. I finally don't feel like an outsider. I'm swimming in the bowl with the fishies. 
I like being with the fishies. I like what's happened to me. I like that working these steps have totally removed the compulsion. It's like an engine stopping. I don't care where it went. I just know that it's gone. God really does for me what I cannot do for myself. And I have the privilege today of sharing this with newcomers. Because faith without works is dead. I have an obligation. And I have an obligation also not to be afraid of tomorrow or 10 minutes from now. It's my obligation. And it's really funny. I'm afraid to get up. I don't want to wake up the puppy. She's really cute. I'm still mourning. My husband died October the 11th. It's a hard road. A very, very hard road. Food does not pave that road. (laughs) It's really funny that I don't even think about it. It's kind of shocking. Thank you, brothers and sisters. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Leah D. Carolyn, you're up. Hi, this is Carolyn S.H. Is it me? Yes, it's you. Thank you. Sorry for the back and forth. Thank you for your service. Um, good morning, fellow visionaries. Carolyn S.H. calling from Massachusetts. And what struck me this morning, um, and I forgot to set my timer. I got it. No problem. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. So, um Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything. Neither is reason, as most of us use it, entirely dependable. Um, those six words, as most of us use it, jumped out at me. as kind of this wink, like I just kind of see Bill going, you know, the way we use reason, you know. And um, so I was thinking to myself, um, how do I use reason or how did I use reason? And um, and it's like, you know, to prove whatever I want to prove, right? Like I can I can prove anything I want to prove, like the example of um, Ray Charles is blind, right? I could prove that totally. I could, I, or Ray Charles is God, like I could prove anything. And, um, and as opposed to, um, oh, I had it in front of me, page 80, um, uh, under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. For after all, God gave us brains to use. All right, well, what does that mean under what conditions? And if you back up, it's, you know, when we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. And I know we're not there yet, but that's step um, 11. And that's after we've been through the work, right? So before the work, um, the way I'm using um, logic is to prove whatever I want to prove to get my way, um, and it's not going to work. Um, and but if I go through the work and do the steps um, and clear away my the resentments and things that are blocking me from hearing higher power, then I can um, asking higher power to direct my thinking. Now I can use my brain, right and I just, I just think it's just the more and more I study and read this book um, um, on my own and with a guide and, and with all, all of you, the more I just see how clear it's all just laid out and, and, you know, how we start, what we do, and how we finish. And it's just beautiful. Um, and that's all I had to say this morning. Thanks. Thank you, Carolyn. 
Julie, I'm sorry, we're not going to get to you, but please share in the next hour. So sorry about that. But we're out of time, and I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. Thank you to our readers, and thank you, everyone, for a wonderful meeting. Please join us for a second hour of unrecorded study immediately following. The share ID for today's 7 a.m. April 24th Vision for You meeting is 11,339. I'll make sure that was right. 334. I beg your pardon. So that's 11334. 11334. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Craig, could you take us out, please? Sure. This is Craig, recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to God and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.